Your money, your estate plan, your retirement. Securing Arizona's future one family at a time. This is the Word on Wealth. Intelligent financial talk you can have faith in. With your host, president and co-founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, John Dombrowski. Send your questions to dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. Now, here's John. And welcome to the Word on Wealth. I am John Dombrowski. Going to be with you here for the next hour, talking some financial talk and financial issues facing all of us. I love it when you have questions for me, anything financial. Uh, maybe it's on IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, Roth IRAs, insurance, real estate, estate planning or taxes, whatever on your mind. You can shoot me an email for those questions to dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. That's dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. And as always, when we're talking about these important financial issues, I love to take the fun approach to the serious matter of your money. Well, good morning to everyone out there, and hopefully you're having a great morning and you enjoyed the weather we had this past week. How exciting was that? We actually got some rain this past week, uh, which was great. Uh, I have a sister who was out there cruising the, uh, what was it, the uh, Western, oh, yes, yeah, the Western um, Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on how you say it. I don't know what the actual proper uh, way to pronounce that is, but uh, anyway, the Caribbean, I guess. And uh, she said they had a little bit of rain out there once they got to the Cayman Islands, but uh, otherwise they had a nice time. Uh, of course, we had some nice rain over here the past couple of uh, days, wherever you were throughout the valley. Uh, of course, it was hit and miss from time to time, but we got some pretty good rain where where we are. I got some, boy, a couple of, in the middle of the day, one day it was last, let's see, what was it on um, Tuesday, I think it was, we got hit with this really loud clap of thunder. And uh, I was in the middle of doing the daily market report that I do uh, on a regular basis uh, for some of the local uh, stations here, right here. And uh, uh, boy, that thunder hit and I was like, whoa, that was uh, a little scary. The dogs were barking. It it got uh, a little crazy. But anyway, it was fun. Because we don't get to see that too often. I remember when I was growing up back east, boy, rain was a, a normal thing every week. It wasn't a big deal. Actually, when it wasn't raining, we were excited. <laughs> uh, anyway, my voice sounds a little different. For those of you out there who listen regularly, you might be saying, that's not John talking. No, it is, unfortunately. For some reason, I had a little thing going on here in my head and sinuses this past week, and uh, but I'm over the, I think I'm over the hump on it. It's getting better. So I'm uh, expecting fully to be recovered for next week's show, but I'm trying to get through it here. It sounds like I'm just speaking in monotone. I can't get much inflection in my voice. If I try to do that, I might be yodeling instead of talking. So I'll just kind of keep it straight and steady here as I go. But I wanted to talk about a couple of things as I usually do in the first segment of the show, which is uh, for those of you out there who have already signed up for our weekly economic update, I encourage you to do it if you haven't, because it's some great information that you'll uh, get from that each and every week from me. And in that weekly economic update, which we can drop into your email box each and every week, it's very simple for you to do. There's no cost or obligation. We're not going to reach out and call you because you signed up for our weekly economic update. We're just going to send this information to you uh, for your um, for viewing. And so you can get some great information regarding of what the economy has done over the past week, some, some topics that have occurred uh, on Wall Street, and then also what's upcoming for the next week. And uh, I think it's a great way for you to start your Monday, which we drop it in your email box each and every Monday. There's a weekly tip on there we'll talk about in a minute. There's also our weekly riddle. 
And it also gives uh, a little information about what has happened in the markets. So let's talk um, a little bit about the weekly tip this week. You know, I talk a lot about beneficiaries that should be named on accounts. And one of the one of the areas that I, I believe oftentimes is neglected is life insurance. You know, if you have life insurance, whether it's through your company or outside of work, do you know for sure who is listed as the beneficiary? Um, I would recommend that from time to time you check, review those beneficiaries. Number one, you may have made a decision to make a change on who will be receiving uh, assets of yours in the event of your untimely passing, or uh, you just want to make sure that what you think is on that particular account or policy is what actually is there. Oftentimes I find uh, maybe we named someone, it was an old life insurance policy or retirement account, and we had before we got married, and we then since have gotten married, had children, and we never went back and changed that that beneficiary designation on that account to our, it used to be our parents maybe or our siblings. But you might want to change that now to your spouse or your children. So I encourage you to, of course, always double-check beneficiaries on these accounts. And that's our weekly tip this week. If you want help with that, uh, you want us to review those for you oftentimes. I know a lot of times accounts are set up and then they go uh, untended for many, many years. Well, those are things certainly that we would be able to help you with here at our firm, Grand Canyon Planning, uh, if you'd like to do so. Again, you can call us at 480-991-1055 to schedule an appointment or go to our website at grandcanyonplanning.com. All right, so this past week, um, we did see, well, actually, this is uh, I'm, this is the challenge when I'm talking about this. Uh, I'm talking about this uh, in arrears a little bit because the weekly economic update gets sent out on Monday to you for the past week, but we don't have our Monday one yet because it's only Saturday. So I'm not going to talk much about the markets, but we did have a kind of a uh, an average market week, right? The market didn't do much of anything. We had uh, early in the week, President Trump, um, making some comments about China and the tariffs, how he may not uh, reduce uh, or, or you know disengage with the tariffs. Um, and China kind of got a little bit upset about that and said, well, we're maybe not too uh, happy about this and we're not certain about the tariffs and whether or not we want to negotiate. So there's a little bit of a, a riff going still back and forth about this. It's not fully settled. I don't expect it to be fully settled for some time. Uh, but the markets are taking this really in stride at this point. It was very flat this week. We had a decent housing report this week. We had hearings again at the on the House regarding uh, the impeachment process with President Trump. So there's a lot of noise happening out there, but the markets really haven't done much in the way of anything. Uh, the 10-year Treasury, which has been a little bit more solid uh, after some comments too from Fed Chair Powell this past week, uh, again, not much really uh, affecting the stock market at all, uh, and really just a flat flat week for the market. So nothing too exciting. Um, one of the things I do want to talk about, and I'm going to talk about this uh, in the next segment or two coming up here today, is diversification. Uh, I, I find that uh, a lot of the individuals that I'm meeting with, uh, may, they have an expectation possibly of what uh, they believe their current positions, the holdings that they have in their investments, how they're invested. Uh, as an example, someone might say, well, 
uh, well, I, I told my advisor that I wanted something very conservative. And then, of course, we look at it and we find that it's in more of an aggressive portfolio. So sometimes we don't have exactly the allocation that we may think we have. So I want to talk a little bit about that diversification risk uh, and, and see what your thoughts are on that. Get you thinking about that. And again, if you'd like to uh, sit down and talk and have a review about that, we can do that as well for you. Uh, but that'll be coming up here uh, in the next segment or two. Uh, let's get to our weekly riddle, though, right now. And, you know, last week I read the weekly riddle, which was a box without hinges, a key or a lid, yet golden treasure inside is hid. What can it be, right? A box without hinges, a key or a lid, yet golden treasures inside hide. What can it be? Well, folks, it's an egg, Right? For those of you out there who eat eggs, I do. I love eggs in the morning for breakfast. Uh, So it's an egg. And uh, so hopefully you got that riddle. This week's riddle, when you buy it, it's black. If you use it, it turns red. When you throw it away, it's gray. What is it? When you buy it, it's black. If you use it, it turns red. When you throw it away, it's gray. What is it? That's this week's riddle. If you want the answer to this week's riddle, uh, sent to you each and every week. In that email, we can do it if you sign up for our weekly economic update, and you'll get a lot of other great information, the weekly tip, along with the market reports and economic reports as well. Uh, Go to our website at grandcanyonplanning.com. That's grandcanyonplanning.com, and we've got some great information there for you, as well as a way to sign up for the weekly economic update and schedule your own appointment with yours truly for a financial review to help you build a plan and hopefully make you successful in retirement. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to, I don't know if I'll get into the diversification topic next topic or two topics uh, or two uh, segments uh, after this, but um, I will get into it this particular show. I think it's very important diversification to make sure that you're not over invested into one asset or another or one asset class or another. You know, we wouldn't want to have all of our money in gold as an example, or all of our money in real estate or all of our money in uh, one stock or one company. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. How do we diversify a portfolio and why do we do that? Uh, And it's really to make sure that you don't take on more risk than you uh, should be having, depending on the time horizon that you have within your own personal financial time. All right, I'm John Dombrowski. This is the Word on Wealth. I'm starting to ramble here a little bit because I'm hearing the music. Uh, go to our website, grandcanyonplanning.com. And in the meantime, I'm going to go take a sip of tea, and we'll be right back after this short break. John Dombrowski, The Word on Wealth. I feel my voice is coming back. I'm getting better as we progress through the morning here. Uh, As always, thanks for joining us here on The Word on Wealth. Check us out on the web at grandcanyonplanning.com or thewordonwealth.com. We'll talk about the show and the guests we have on the show as well. If you'd like to shoot me an email for a question you'd like to have answered here on the air, uh, you could shoot me that email to dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. If you'd like to schedule your own personal financial consultation, you can call our Scottsdale office directly at 480-991-1055. That's 480-991-1055. Or, again, go to the website, 
GrandCanyonPlanning.com. What I want to talk about in this segment here today is, is oftentimes with clients, we do reviews for a variety of different reasons. We may do a financial review of, of the overall financial plan and make sure that we're uh, hitting the goals that we established for that plan. We may meet um, to review possibly an estate plan that a client has in place that may want to make some changes or may be concerned about tax planning. We may want to meet regarding a beneficiary change. We often talk to uh, individuals, and I tout on the show here consistently how important it is for you to do a review of your beneficiaries on your accounts to make sure you have them properly established. Now, something else we want to do is also add into that mix is when you purchase a piece of real estate, whether you are an individual single or if you are married, how do you take title to that? Now, when you buy the home, the real estate agents are not attorneys. They're not supposed to give you their, uh, I guess, legal advice on how to take title. Uh, the title companies don't give you legal advice either. What they do is is they hand you a piece of paper that says, here's all the ways that you could take title to that piece of real estate, and you need to pick one. So with that being said, I want to bring on our resident attorney, estate planning attorney, Jonathan Munz, today, and I'd like to talk a little bit about real estate and how uh, the different ways you can title real estate may have an effect on how that property is actually So handled. what I'm concerned about, John, here is in why have a real estate agent? Right. Like so, a real estate agent can't tell you how you should take title. They can't because it's illegal. It's illegal. But they offer legal advice all the time. Well, on real estate, maybe they do, right? Right. Yeah, I know, on, but, they but not on ownership. I, I agree. I mean, you know what I mean? Tell me where the line is. I guess what's ridiculous. Yeah, I guess what they could do is explain. Here's the differences between them if they understand what they are, even because maybe some and, of the realtors and, don't. And frankly, the title companies, you know, for underwriting, I'm sorry, but I, I these guys, well. You know my feelings, and I shouldn't say anything wrong because there's a lot of really good professionals out there. Right. But I have an issue with this because what it is is these people do something, they get paid, and then they're never seen again. True. Right. Well, so, unless there's a problem with the title, if it's a title insurance right. company. But right? my point here is, is that with underwriting, so if I have a mortgage on the property, the mortgage company is likely going to want me to take it as joint tenants with right of survivorship or as community property with right of survivorship because they don't want there to be a problem with the title. And they also want to have more than one person on. And the more people they could have so, on the hook for that loan, the better. So regardless of who's responsible or not, here's what I'm going to say to you. If you are buying a house and no one is giving you the proper advice, you need right. to seek it out. Right. And if your real estate agent won't help you, if the title company won't help you, then you need to seek the advice of an attorney. Right. Right. And if you say, for instance, if you come and you talk to John because John's your financial advisor, John's going to seek the advice of an attorney. Mm -hmm. He's likely going to ask me or put me in touch with you. And then right. we're going to have a discussion about this. So my point is, let's not Google this. Let's not just randomly talk to our friend Ted on the street. Well, and I'll just say this. I got an email last night from someone who was basically telling me that they taught. And this is a professional, mind you, who they talked to a bunch of people and they had all of these concerns. There is nothing I like worse than getting an email like that because, frankly, I'll just be clear. It's not – that's like an uneducated thing. Like I did a survey. It's like I did a it's, – it's like I did a jaywalking segment. Remember that old Jay Leno segment where I went out in the street and I asked right. people questions? Right. Like you're just asking people questions that, frankly, have no skin in the game. So they're going to give you whatever answer they want to give you, and it doesn't mean anything. And what is their opinion really worth? You need because to take what it like, type of, yeah, you of need to knowledge take it, do they have? Yeah, you yeah. need to take it with a grain of salt. So in such important financial matters – you need to get advice of a professional. So here's the deal, right? You talk to your financial advisor. You can talk to your CPA. You can talk to myself. Thankfully, like 
we work with all of these people. Sure. If you need a good real estate person, we can refer a real estate person to you. you. Bet. If you need a title company, we can refer a title company to you. If you need a mortgage broker, we can refer a mortgage broker to you, right? Mm-hmm. These these are so and the point of this is is that you should always do your own research. But I have this issue with titles to property because you you pay all of this money, you buy the you buy your property and you think everything has been done correctly. Lo, lo and behold, 30 years later, your spouse dies and you're like, well, I own the property and it wasn't done right because it was only done as tenants in common. Uh, right. And, right. And we've had that happen. Yes. No, no. Correct. It's yeah. not that we've had it happen once. It right. happens like every other deed. Mm-hmm. And I will just tell everyone right now that you, when you're doing year end type stuff and you're reviewing your beneficiary designations and you're, you're doing your required minimum distributions on your retirement accounts, you're meeting with John to make sure everything is all, all up to par and ready to go for the start of the new year for 2020, mm-hmm. right? It's the end of the decade. Yeah, 2020, wow. Right. The goal would also be, let's check your deed. Have you checked your deed lately? Let's make sure it's okay. Because, right, right, we can go, if especially Maricopa County, you can go on to the Maricopa County's assessor site and we, mm-hmm. can, we can look up this information. I am just especially troubled um, by the number of deeds that haven't been recorded correctly. Um, maybe because uh, there's an oversight or simply because... Well, they may have been recorded correctly. No, but no, they but they were recorded correctly. What I mean is they weren't titled correctly. Like right, what, drafted. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Weren't ti- right. But a lot of this has to do with either just an oversight now, but prior deeds, they just weren't done this way. So, for instance, if you purchased your property in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, right? even early 80s, you need to check that deed right now. If you've purchased the property in one of those decades and haven't check the deed in a while, you need to make sure that it's titled correctly. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to, I don't know, about seven or eight out of 10 are only going to be tenants in common, even though they should have been done as community property or as joint tenants with right of survivorship. Right. And this is, I'm talking about married couples, right? Right. Because as a single person, we're not worried about it. We, I mean, there's other worries we have, and we can mm-hmm. talk about that at right. another time. But I would suggest that everyone check their deed. Mm-hmm. And and you just need to make sure that it's, it's correct. And likewise, if you have life insurance, 401k, an IRA, sure. an annuity, who's the beneficiary? Right. You'd be surprised. Yeah, you think you know. And then when we go to do the research and we do this, the checking on that, we find that it's not who you thought it was, or maybe there isn't sufficient information there at all to be able to make sure that it is correct. Now, another little wrench in the whole this whole thing is that if you've recently done a refinance, mm-hmm. if right. your property was in your revocable trust and you pulled it out and put it back in your names, and then you did the refinance and you assumed it was back in your trust, right. don't assume, let's check. Or if you did the refinance and you thought, well, how was how was it done again? That's make sure that deed lists you guys correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the property was supposed to go back into the trust, that's make sure that it went back into the trust. Correct. You know, one of the things, Jonathan, when we do our reviews with clients, that's one of the things we do the research on and we check. And you know, folks out there might be asking, well, why are we talking about this? How do you know? How do you find out these things? Why do you have so many of these issues that come up that we see? Well, that's because that's part of our... Um, standard operating procedure when we are establishing estate planning documents for individuals, we do the research and the titling on the properties. And that's when we notice that these issues have happened without any prior knowledge to the individuals who own the property. And why is this important? That's talking really really, about why. I'll tell you why this is important because you think that you own the property Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden your husband or wife dies and, you know, as sad as that is, you, okay, well, I have the property. Now I'm either going to sell it or I want to refinance it or whatever you want to do with it. Come to find out you only own 50% of it. Right. Well, I'm just saying, and you know how people find this out? And they're in the middle of a refinance. Or they're or trying the to sell the property. Or in the middle of a sale. Yep. And they come to me and they say, Jonathan, can you fix this? Right. 
We can try it. We have to go through through probate. probate. Yeah. Now, depending on how much time has passed, this could be a real problem, Mm -hmm. right? Because typically there's a rule that if someone has passed away more than two years ago, in order to open up a probate, we have to, it's a special procedure, right? We have to tell the court why we waited two years to open up the probate, right? And it's going to be more expensive. So I would just suggest that people check now, don't wait and make sure that this is correct because you don't want the added expense. I mean, it really, you know, well, it's good for me, I guess, but it, it pains me because I would rather see everything done correctly and let's move on to something else. Right. Let's let, let's uh, let's kind of wrap this up, Jonathan. We're coming up on the end of the segment. Here's here's the bottom line of this: is that we encourage all of you out there to take advantage of an opportunity to schedule an appointment to come in and let's review. Let's just look at it. And make let's sure look it's okay. at it. Make sure it's okay. Do you have an estate plan in place? If so, when's the last time it was looked at? When was it reviewed? If you don't have something in place, why not? Maybe it's time to think about that. And during that, um, you know, opportunity of sitting down and talking with us and going through the process of establishing a plan, we'll do that research and we'll find out. And we'll, if there's an issue, we'll be able to correct it. That's the perfect time to be able yes. to correct it. Not when it's too late, when there's a crisis, when someone's either incapacitated or upon their passing, when it's too late to do anything about it. Right, Jonathan? That is correct. So state planning attorney, Jonathan Muntz, as always, Jonathan, I thank you so much for being with Thanks, us. John. Yeah. And uh, we'll have you back again, I'm sure, here to talk about some other interesting topics. You know, one of the things that I want to talk a little bit about um, I wanted to get, uh, you know, a, a CPA's perspective. Darren Circus, he's not going to be on the show this week, but I wanted to get his perspective on this new proposed tax on billionaires and see what he thought about that. And Jonathan, maybe you and I can actually pick up on that uh, in another segment as well and get oh, your thoughts on that. I have a lot to say that. about that. Yeah, I think it'd be a good topic for us to talk through and see how people feel about that. Billionaires earned that money. Should they be able to keep all of it? Should they have an additional tax? I mean, there's questions to be had there. There's a lot of money out there. Should money be brought back to the economy? Uh, something certainly to consider. Maybe the government should spend less. Yeah, that is a good one. Yes. John Dombrowski, The Word on Wealth. We'll be right back after this short break. And the moon is the only light we'll see. She don't care about my car. And she don't care about my money. And that's real good because I don't got a lot to spend. All right, John Dombrowski, The Word on Wealth. As always, I appreciate you listening and tuning in. Hopefully you're going to get something out of this segment that will help you plan with your financial future. And one of the things that I find awfully interesting is that we think about diversification, or maybe you don't think about it, but generally in our profession, that's one of the things that we as advisors look at is is diversification, making sure that you don't have all of your eggs in one basket. We've all heard that that's something that you should uh, you know, make, make sure that you watch out for. Uh, and I want to talk about that in this segment. But again, I always want to give you ways to get a hold of us. If you've got any questions, you'd like to schedule your own personal financial consultation with yours truly, happy to sit down and talk with you about your finances and what we can help you do to further advance uh, your financial goals. You can reach out and get in touch with me by either calling me directly at our Scottsdale office of 480-991-1055. That's 480-991-1055 if you're out of the Phoenix area. And you'd like to call us toll-free that's one 991 4272 Also, you can go to our website at grandcanyonplanning.com, and we've got some great information on the website, uh, as well as a way to schedule an appointment there. 
uh, on the site as well. And then you also can scroll to the bottom of the page and get uh, get in touch with us uh, and let us know if you'd like to sign up for our weekly economic update, which I talk about in the first segment usually of the show, uh, which gives us an opportunity to update you on what's happening over the past week and what's happening in the future week so that you'll be able to get a little indication as to what is happening in the economy and the stock market and what's going on around the financial world. Uh, it's great information for you. It's uh, no cost to you at all. It's just a matter of uh, signing up for it, dropping your email uh, into that little box at the bottom of our homepage, hitting that send button, and then we'll get you on our uh, weekly economic update email list. And it's just an email that gets sent to you. We're not going to call you. We're not going to reach out to you in any way um, other than just that shooting that email to give you that information. It also, of course, has our weekly um, tip on there along with uh, our weekly riddle. So again, uh, that's grandcanyonplanning.com. And again, excuse me for my my uh, my voice has changed here with uh, fighting a little bit of a head cold, it sounds like, over the last week or so. But anyway, I'm hopefully going to be over this by the next weekend. All right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about diversification. And when we think about diversification, we may look at that a couple of different ways, depending on uh, what you've heard or, or your experience with this when it comes to investing. We may think about diversification because we want to maybe minimize our risk. That's one way to look at it, diversification, right? And how do we go about that? Well, we would want to uh, look at what the individual holdings are in our portfolio and uh, make sure that we're not overweighted in one particular sector or another or one particular position, such as one individual stock or another, um, so that we don't have that overexposure in the event of some type of a pullback in that position, right? So if we had all of our um, IRA in company stock if we or a 401k if we worked for a company and we kept buying that company stock, and I'll just use an example, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen to you, but uh, if any of you do recall or remember the company Enron, Enron, and many, many years ago, this company Enron was encouraging their employees to purchase the company stock within their 401k. And many of the employees did, and they purchased uh, as much of that stock as they possibly could, and they had all of their 401k in Enron company stock. Now, a lot of companies offer that uh, option to you. You can buy company stock with your contributions. Uh, many companies offer you employee stock options. You may see what's called an ESOP account, ESOP, employee stock option uh, plan, where the uh, employer will give you the option to buy stock at a certain price, and usually it's a reduced price to what the market rate is, and it gives you that option to uh, purchase that stock. Now, that is usually outside of your retirement account, though. It's not in the 401k and ESOP plan. It's a separate account. But what I'm talking about here is uh, a traditional 401k, if you were uh, buying stock in that. And what if the company, such as Enron, what happened to them? The company went out of business. And what happened was, is all of the people that had their money invested in that stock lost their money. Because we know that stocks can go up and down in value. We don't really ever plan for a company to completely go out of business, especially an established company like Enron was. 
Um, so you take an example like Intel or Apple or Microsoft or Google, these big companies. We would never expect a company like that to go out of business. But that still doesn't mean that we should uh, be overweighted or have more um, than maybe uh, a substantial portion of our uh, retirement plan assets or assets in general in that one company because of the potential risk uh, and the exposure to that risk, right? All right, with that being said, let's go back to diversification again and why we want to make sure that we have a diversified portfolio. Think about this. If we look at the S&P 500, we can break that down into 500 stocks, of course. That's what it's comprised of. But it also is broken down further into sectors. And those sectors are uh, 11 sectors of the S&P 500. There's communication, consumer discretion, consumer staples, energy, financials, healthcare, industrials, materials, real estate, technology, and utilities. Okay, those are the 11 sectors. However, if we invest just in the S&P 500, that's 500 stocks. So now we can say, okay, well, that's 100% stock portfolio. So maybe that's not very well diversified. So now we would think about this, well, what else would we want to do in order to break down our investments and be further diversified? Well, we can think about this, and oftentimes uh, advisors will talk about the differences between stocks and bonds as a diversified portfolio as well. So if we think about bonds, bonds are different than stocks in this, uh, in this way. In other words, a bond is really something that we give money to a company, we lend money to the company, generally speaking, and they're going to be paying us back a dividend or an interest on that, a coupon rate. And that's going to be uh, something that they're going to pay a specific amount of interest on for a certain period of time. It's basically like a general loan. And then at the end of that term, which is the duration, they're going to pay that back. So if you were to wait for its full term, its full maturity of that bond, you'll get all of your principal back, assuming the company makes good on the promise to pay. You'll get the interest during the years that you hold that to its maturity and then ultimately get paid back in full on the bond. So generally speaking, it's thought that bonds are more secure or safer than stocks. So that's one way for us to diversify the portfolio further is just to blend um, a difference between stocks and bonds. So we may say we're going to have a 50% stock and a 50% bond portfolio. Well, that's one way to diversify. Now we can diversify even further by having different durations of bonds, right? We might want short-term bonds, medium-term, intermediate type of bonds, and then longer-term duration bonds. That's going to diversify us even further. So with that being said, you start to see, as we start to develop a portfolio, how we could diversify that portfolio. Now, many of you out there, you may have uh, mutual funds from your 401k, and you're thinking, well, gee, I really don't know what mutual funds I should choose, but I'm going to just choose uh, a target, what they call a target-dated fund. And that target date might be the year that you think you're going to retire. You're going to retire in the year 2025. So you pick out a fund, a 2025 mutual fund. 
which basically does have a diversification in there. Now, some of those funds can be a little bit more internally expensive than traditional mutual funds, and that's something you certainly have to look at when you're purchasing them. But generally speaking, that does give you some diversification within that 401k. So as you could see, there are a variety of ways to diversify a portfolio. There's also alternative investments that we haven't even talked about to take it even further, which could be um, gold. It can be uh, real estate investments. It can be annuities. There are a variety of other type of investments that you can use to diversify your portfolio further. And with that being said, I'd like to give you the opportunity once again to pick up the phone and call me at my Scottsdale office at 480-991-1055. That's 480-991-1055. And schedule an appointment. Let's talk about the diversification that you have within your portfolio or the lack thereof to make sure that you're invested properly for your time horizon and your risk, risk tolerance. And those are the things that we would definitely talk through during that appointment and help you develop a plan, again, that's consistent with what you're trying to accomplish with your funds for your retirement. All right, I'm John Dombrowski. This is The Word on Wealth. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion. I've got a couple of other points I want to hit. I've got some guests we're going to be bringing on and appreciate you listening. Check us out on the web at grandcanyonplanning.com and hopefully my voice will get better throughout the show and not worse. Every hug seems to act just like a drug. You're getting to be a habit with me. Let me stay in your arms. I'm addicted. All right, we're back. John Dombrowski, The Word on Wealth. Folks, as always, if you have email questions, send me those email questions to dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. That's dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. Wow, that music was loud there, wasn't it, for a while? It's groovy. Yes, it's groovy. Um, uh, talking with Mark Emberton, one of our advisors here at the firm, again, Grand Canyon Planning. And if you have questions, concerns, you'd like to sit down and talk with one of our advisors here at our firm, 480-991-1055 is the phone number, 480 55. Mark, I want to get to a couple of emails. I always encourage folks to send us those email questions to dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. That's dearjohn at thewordonwealth.com. I want to get to one of those emails right now, and then I want to get into a topic here, Mark, that basically relates to this email. And it says, Dear John, this is from Peter, by the way. Peter, thanks for this email. Dear John, I'm close to retirement and considering options for withdrawing from my investments once retired. My question is, is should I draw from my taxable accounts or should I withdraw from my non-taxable accounts once I retire. And I would I would have added to that too, Peter, by the way, or should I do both, right? Yeah. Uh, but great question, because that's something that we always want to understand, right? And that's what's important about taking into account taxes, Mark, mm-hmm. into uh, a financial plan, even while you're building value of that financial plan and, and growing that plan over the years, we should be thinking about taxes long before the distribution phase, which is where Peter is at this point, thinking about retiring shortly. Uh, why don't I have you uh, talk a little bit to that, Mark, and I'll add my two cents. Yeah, I mean, one of those things that uh, we always try to look at is, like you mentioned, what does the big picture look like? And, and really trying to identify where we're going to get the biggest bang for our buck. That's um, a play on words, bang for your buck. Yeah, and, yep. and, and sometimes... Uh, when you go to retire, maybe you're retiring at 60 years of age, but you don't plan to trigger 
uh, benefits such as Social Security till much later in, in your uh, later years, maybe up to 65, maybe up to 70 before you turn them on. And maybe your income is going to be non-existent until mm-hmm. then. And so maybe it would be more advantageous for Peter to to withdraw funds from his retirement accounts to supplement or replace the income from his regular W-2 employment income, if that's the type of uh, income he receives, and use that now because maybe his taxable income will be non-existent. Exactly. And so maybe he won't have such a tax burden now where in the future we don't know where tax rates are going to be. And, of course, when you start adding additional sources of income such as Social Security or maybe any pension income that you may be entitled to, you know, that could certainly change uh, or move the needle from a tax basis. So we just want to sit down and look at all those moving parts and decide collectively which, and maybe it will be a combination of the both. Right. Uh, but, you know, looking at those those types of accounts and looking at and talking with the CPAs that, that, that folks work with to make sure we're, we're asking all those questions and deciding which is going to be the best avenue to go down. You know, Mark, there's something called, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of names you could put to it, but bracket creep as it might be. In other words, uh, currently the tax code has a number of different brackets, tax brackets, and depending on your income, you fall within a range in a bracket, right? So it's very possible that depending on where you're taking money from, the um, the tax uh, status of that money uh, may create you to creep into the next tax bracket, therefore paying a much higher rate of taxes. So we'd want to understand that, and if you had the availability to pull money from a non-taxable account or an account that would be taxed at a lower rate, maybe a capital gains rate rather than an ordinary income tax rate, that might make the difference of saving you thousands of dollars a year in taxes. And and as you know, I do a lot of planning with veterans Mm -hmm. that are, you know, in their 70s and 80s. And a lot of times I deal with those that are, you know, still married. And a lot of times one is in, in a care situation and the other one is just living independent and healthy. Um, a lot of times we can do some planning around that where we can use right. the expense of, let's say, the, 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 the spouse in this case is in an assisted living type of arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, in large part, a lot of that expense can be a tax deduction against income. And so in many cases, it's more advantageous to pull monies from a retirement account because right. a, lot of ta- a lot of that money can be coming out you know, with the CPA's blessing, of course, uh, that money could be coming out relatively tax-free. Right. And so yeah. we look at all those options and see if we can't find ways to maximize those distributions. Here's a, here's just a story that just occurred, too, with another client of mine. I had done our review. Every year, folks, you know, we usually do, a, at a minimum, an annual review with a client, depending on what their uh, financial situation is. But we, we pulled the client in, and we are talking this week. And, of course, in this particular case, the individual turned 70 this year and will be 70 and a half as of December. Now, that means, of course, that this individual needs to take what's called the required minimum distribution from the retirement accounts. So what we did is we did a quick analysis of the value of the portfolio and what that minimum required amount would be. Uh, And we understood what we had to take. And we also understood that for this year, Mark, there's that little caveat for the first uh, year that you would have a required distribution, which is that you can take that required distribution in the year following the actual uh, required distribution is required, right? So in this case, if that individual had to take the distribution in 2016 because it's the first one, meaning just turned 70 and a half, they can push that out to next year. However, um, we want to understand again what the tax ramifications are going to be of this. Because I was talking to this individual, still working, age 70, fantastic. Still contributing to a 401k, 
healthy, being able to do all that. And, and, and I asked the questions, are you planning on retiring? What, what's going on with your financial life? What are you thinking here? Uh, and he was saying, maybe I might retire next year. I said, okay, well, if you're going to retire next year, that means you're going to give up that $120,000 of income that you're earning. Isn't that true? And he said, well, yes. I said, well, what if we waited to take that required distribution till next year? Because if you're not going to have that $120,000 of income, well, maybe we'll take that RMD, that distribution, and we're going to lower your tax uh, tax rate on that. Uh, so that really made a big impact because his distribution was going to be about $15,000. So the difference of maybe a 15% tax bracket versus a 25% tax bracket, Mark, is thousands of dollars. And, all, and if he took it in this year, he probably just put it in the bank because he wouldn't need it. Didn't need it. He was, he was exactly right. He didn't need the money. But, of course, we were required to take it even though we don't need it. Now, remember that, folks. That's critical. And and here's a situation where he has a 401k. He's still working, still contributing to it. And, Mark, as you and I know, if, if you're still working and a participant in a 401k plan, even if you're 70 and a half or 72 or 75 or 85, if you're still participating in that plan, you do not need to take required minimum distributions from the plan. And, again, that was something he was not aware of. Uh, so we were able to discuss that as well, knowing that that was not going to need to be part of the calculation for the required minimum distribution. Yeah, one of the things I like to, to have conversation about with clients is that, I mean, you probably have this similar thing. A lot of our clients are taking that money out of their retirement accounts like IRAs and old 401ks and such only because they have to. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, gosh, I'm doing it because I'm, you know, I'll be penalized otherwise. And I like to have those conversations where we can... You know, if we're going to have to do it anyway, reallocate it. Yeah, maybe we can take those monies and leverage that into something else where it's going to be more impactful tax wise in the future or maybe part of a legacy plan Mm -hmm. to maybe do some sort of planning with maybe the use of life insurance if you're healthy enough to make sure we can leave tax free benefit dollars to the next generation or or your charity or whomever. Yeah. Um, And that's a real uh, interesting conversation for a lot of folks out there. So we love uh, love having that conversation with people. Now you're talking, Mark, because, right, we're taking ta- after-tax dollars now, and we're able to place those, uh, in, or I should say before-tax dollars when you contributed those, now became taxable when you took the distribution, but now reallocating those assets into a plan that ultimately would be tax-free for your beneficiaries, whether that's your spouse or whether that's your children, your grandchildren, or as you mentioned, maybe a, a charity of your choice. Uh, so, boy, all sorts of options for folks. But again, until you sit down with an educated and experienced financial advisor, folks, a lot of those things may not ever come to light for you. So I encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity to sit down and talk with us here at our firm, Grand Canyon Planning. Happy to do that. Sometimes we're a little busy and may have to wait a week or two to get in for an appointment, but that's okay. Yeah, get on the calendar. Please get on the calendar. We'd love to sit down and talk with you to see what you're doing to plan for your financial future. Hey, Mark Emberton, appreciate it as always you being here, Mark. My pleasure. Uh, I'm John Dombrowski, The Word on Wealth. Folks, as always, here with you each and every week, and we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, Hopefully you find the information interesting, and it also uh, gets you thinking about maybe picking up the phone and giving us a call at 480-991-1055. That's 480-991-1055 to schedule your own personal financial consultation with us. And uh, also check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. As always, this is uh, John Dombrowski, The Word on Wealth. Until next time, reminding you, don't run out of money before you run out of time.
The Word on Wealth with John Dombrowski, president and co-founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. Call and schedule your complimentary financial consultation at 480-991-1055. For personalized financial and retirement advice, that's 480-991-1055 or toll free at 1-866-991-4272. Visit us at grandcanyonplanning.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC, and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated.